Welcome to the Healing Trauma and CPTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Coven. I'm a certified trauma recovery and resilience coach, and this podcast is all about hope and recovery. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We're continuing in our series of looking at trauma treatment modalities. And today we're going to be sitting down with Dr. Anna Kress, who is a licensed clinical psychologist. And we're going to be talking about IFS, which stands for Internal Family Systems. It's a really interesting modality. And I hope that this will answer some of your questions that you may have about this treatment modality. And I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. Hi, Anna. Hi, Monique. So glad to be talking to you today. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. So, Anna, we're going to be talking about IFS, which stands for Internal Family Systems um, Therapeutic Approach. Such an interesting model, um, especially in terms of dealing with trauma and healing trauma. So I thought that we could unpack it a little bit because um, there is a lot to know about it, um, and it's so fascinating. So maybe we could, we could start with how is the IFS view of our minds different, let's say, from other therapy models? Absolutely. That's a great question because, um, you know, traditional therapy sees um, our minds as sort of being this one mind. And eight years ago, around eight years ago, when I started to learn about IFS, a lot of my colleagues were sort of like, what is this model that's saying something very radically different? And it's interesting because it's been about eight years and a lot of those colleagues are now sort of emailing me and calling me and saying, oh, wow, I just got this IFS training and it's amazing. It's helping me with my work. And so it's interesting to see how it's sort of um, evolved over the years. And certainly in popular media, we've seen it. Um, you know, Jonathan Van Ness's uh, memoir mentions it from Queer Eye. Um, Liz Gilbert talks about it in an article, which is so exciting because, you know, love Liz Gilbert. Um, you know, Richard Schwartz, who developed IFS, was recently on the Goop podcast. And then um, I'm sure you've seen like Inside Out, the kids movie, and that has these elements um, that are certainly influenced by IFS. Um, and then like even Sally Field's memoir called In Pieces, which, you know, she um, in the 1980s actually starred in a movie called Sybil, where she played someone who has dissociative identity disorder, which I'm not saying that um, IFS has that element to it necessarily. But, um, you know, even in her book, which I won't give it all away, she even talks about how, wait, we have all these parts to us. And she kind of talks about her own therapy process with that. Um, and so it's sort of this overlap with uh, dissociative identity is sort of just this realization, wait, we also have parts. Maybe they are more integrated, but we do have parts. And so that's the really big difference with IFS is that this idea that we have different parts or, you know, that's why it's sometimes called parts work. And it's essentially these sub-personalities that we all have. And these different personalities play different roles. Like, you know, you might have a part that's perfectionistic and gets triggered sometimes. You might have a part that is um, 
people pleasing or part that gets really angry. So we have these different parts to our personalities and that's very different from traditional uh, models. And the other thing that's very different about IFS is that this idea of a self with a capital S and the self is, you know, you've heard of it in different um, spiritual traditions, wisdom traditions, and also in different psychological theories about it's like that authentic part of who we are, our true self, Buddha nature, soul, whatever you might want to call it. And I love um, that concept in IFS because it's the part of us that's not touched by trauma. It's unaffected. And so it's, it's always there for us. And it's a part that can actually help us with um, the actual healing of trauma. So I think it's such a radically different model. And, and I really come to um, love it because it's so effective as well. Yeah. And I'm, I, I love it too. I love that it, it sees the, the self or, you know, the resilient part as being sort of the core self, who we came into the, this world as, um, that part that uh, can't be touched by trauma. And I, I love that because I think that it helps you to um, know how to get back in touch with that. So I love that. Oh, I want to dig more into, into all of this. So I guess another question I would have would be like, so you talked about that, that self, how do you know that you're in sort of the self part? Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, And it's something that we can all recognize. And as a therapist, it's amazing to see it in my clients because it's, I, I would say it's always the same, which is, you know, the eight, it's called the eight C's of self in IFS, which is, you know, it's curiosity. These are, these are the qualities that you notice when you are in self. Curiosity, courage, calm, confidence, connectedness, creativity, clarity, and um, most importantly, c- compassion. Yeah. And so when you're in that kind of state, you know that you've connected with the self. And what um, Richard Schwartz would say that you notice how open your heart is. And if you don't have an agenda, because if you have an agenda, that means like an apart is actually online. Wow. Yeah. And I'm just getting a sense of it, of, of, of you being very present um, when you're in the the self. Um, So what, what does IFS address? Like, how does IFS address, let's say, um, like when we're resistant or we're, you know, defensive compared to, let's say, other, other approaches? Yeah, it has a very different approach. Well, first of all, it's very, um, it's not pathologizing at all. Um, it's extremely re- respectful of trauma and pain and the defenses that we've had to use mm-hmm. to cope with it. So it never tries to bypass them and dig deeper. Like, you know, like often you'll see people talking about child, um, inner child work. And the IFS perspective is we don't want to go there until we actually worked with, gotten to know and actually befriended the protective parts of us, the parts that are actually protecting those more vulnerable parts. And so a part of the work is asking, you know, the protective parts for permission to heal. Um, and when we do befriend these protective parts, which I can get into which, what the different parts are, but uh, when we do prote- befriend these protective parts, you know, where is it in our body? What does it look like? What's its job? What is it worried is going to happen if it doesn't do that job? You know, asking for their permission to do more healing work, 
really taking the time to get to know them and letting them know that we're not trying to get rid of them. They really do open up and, and learn to trust us and are actually, once you do some healing work that's a little deeper, they actually do transform, which is amazing because a lot of these defenses were often taught to sort of push past them and sort of vilify them. And so this is a very different approach in that it sees that these parts have a positive intention. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking that they're, they have a good intention. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, What is, I've heard this before in um, IFS, and that's the idea of a burden. Can you explain a little bit about what is a burden in IFS? Sure, sure. And and just before I can get to that, I just want to say a little bit about the parts in case it's confusing about, um, you know, which parts that I'm referring to, because often we have very, most people have sort of like similar type parts. So IFS has sort of distinguish between three different parts, types of parts. Um, And, you know, the first one is exiles. So exiles are our more vulnerable, young, injured parts. You you think of like uh, sort of wounded inner child parts, you know, that have been neglected, maybe shamed or abused or dismissed in childhood. And they're sort of banished out of our awareness. And so they're exiled and we're, you know, not so aware of them unless they get triggered. Um, And then we have protective parts, which I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first line of defense when it comes to protective parts, there are two different ones. The first line of defense is managers. The managers are the parts of our personalities that help us function. So they're the parts that are task oriented, maybe critical, trying to, you know, get us to do things, perfectionistic, shaming. They help us manage day to day and they want to prevent exiles from being triggered so that we're not flooded with emotions. And so, um, you know, it could be your inner critic, people pleaser, helper parts, those kind of parts, Mm -hmm. even anxious parts or depressed parts. And so that's the first line of defense. The second line of defense is, you know, is called firefighters. They also want to keep the vulnerable parts exiled and sort of safely tucked away Um, But they're the emergency response workers. So when those exiles get triggered, they want to put out the flame. They want the emotional pain to be gone at all costs. So these are the parts of us that might be um, engaging things like binge eating, um, suicidal uh, behaviors um, or parts, a suicidal part of us, Um, alcohol, you know, um, or substance abusive part, um, cutting, those kind of behaviors, those are parts that come in to sort of extinguish that flame. And, you know, we, again, we want to appreciate these parts and have compassion, even though it's really difficult at times, of course. Um, but we also want to negotiate respectfully with them and remember the power they have in the system. And so those are the different parts. And so when it comes to burdens, like you asked you know, those are the intense, like, you know, trauma related feeling states. So rage or shame or terror um, and the beliefs that come with those, like I'm worthless or I'm unlovable and, you know, the physical sensations that are sort of like flashbacks coming back to us um, in our bodies. And so in IFS, the idea is that parts are not just their burdens. They carry burdens, you know, that originated in the past but where the parts are actually more than their burdens. So a lot of it is about um, healing the parts so that they become unburdened and they can take a different role. And often parts welcome that transformation because 
um, you know, those burdens are difficult. I'm just wondering, how would you, and I don't know, this might be too big of a, of a question to answer, but I'll shoot it anyway. How would you and IFS try to heal a burden or unburden? Um, well, there is a process, a step-by-step process. So mm-hmm. the beginning stages of IFS, you were really getting to know the protectors and understanding them, befriending mm-hmm. them, having a trusting relationship. Um, if you have more training in IFS, then you would go through the steps of an unburdening process. And some of that looks like, um, you know, often it's, it's working with the exiles. It's getting the permission mm-hmm. from the protective parts and then working with the exiles. And a piece of the, one of the steps I think is really, really amazing um, that I really love. And I know a lot of people talk about reparenting. And so one of the steps does involve reparenting, which is this idea of giving this part, you know, it's an exiled part, what it actually needed at the time of like, let's say a traumatic memory or something like that. And often when I'm working with clients, you know, their parts want to just be held or they want to hug. Or, you know, recently I had a teenage um, part kind of exiled part come up with a client and they just wanted to hang out in the cafeteria at the high school and just be listened to without feeling weird. And so these parts are kind of, you know, um, they're really looking to be reparented. And so one of the steps in IFS, in the unburdening process in IFS is this sort of reparenting. But again, I'd say this model is different in the sense that it doesn't do that until it's established a really healthy relationship with different parts of, that are protective. And so it doesn't bypass that. Okay. And so it is the self part that would be reparenting? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's the self. And so we don't really proceed unless we know that someone has a lot of like what what we say is like self energy, that they Mm -hmm. feel compassion towards the part, that they feel calm, like that you could get a sense that like those sort of eight C's that, you know, I mentioned before, that they really are feeling, um, that compassion towards a part. So we don't really proceed. And the other thing too, is that, yeah, when you're doing this sort of deeper healing work, the client and the therapist too are in self. And we, we, you know, as a therapist, I monitor that. And so um, that's really important part of the work too, I think is different. So you're not reliving, you're not re-traumatizing, you are in self when yeah. you're observing. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that would bring me to, I guess, another question I had, uh, because we hear a lot about, uh, these blended states where the, where we're doing work and we feel like our resilient part or self part is, is, is feeling like that younger part that feels so vulnerable. And all of a sudden it feels really big and we feel like it's taken up all the space and we forget that we have this self. Could you talk a little bit about blending? Like what blending is in IFS? Sure. Yeah. So blending in IFS is when um, a part is undifferentiated from another part or from the self. So it's, you know, think about it as, you know, in other kind of therapies, they call it like being fused, where you actually think you are that part. Yeah. And mindfulness really helps us with this because it helps us to become kind of like a witness 
and mindfulness-based therapies where we're uncoupling our thoughts and beliefs from the self. So we can recognize and we can have a little bit of space and distance from a part so that we can um, observe it, but not be totally in it and completely sort of lost and feeling overwhelmed by the part. That's one of my favorite, favorite things. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, just because it's such an empowering piece because Mm -hmm. of the fact that we get, we could feel so swept away by the intensity of the emotions of the, you know, the younger part. And I love how we can, you know, uh, separate and, and, and understand that there's, there's still the resilient self part right there. Yeah. I love that. Um, does IFS view the therapeutic relationship or attachment in therapy in a different way, would you say? Uh, well, you know, I was trained in other models early on about the, the importance of attachment in therapy. So having a healthy mm-hmm. relationship with the client and sort of modeling that. And so I still do that. But I think the main difference with an, you know, being an IFS therapist is that you're really, your role is a space holder. So you're in self, so you're very present. So, you know, if, if one of my parts, let's say, gets activated, I can ask them to step out of the room. I can sort of, you know, metaphorically sort of ask them to step aside and so that I can be in self. And, um, you know, it's also about having a, an attachment, a healthy attachment relationship with each of the client's parts. So really working towards building trust with each part. But the, the real big difference, I would say, is that you're teaching the client to have healthy attachment with their parts. And so that's a big distinction because that's something that they really can take with them and uh, work on outside of the therapy. And, you know, having a healthy relationship with all these different parts, it makes such a big difference because, as you can imagine, there's like so much more internal harmony as a result of that. And so that's a really big difference. Um, and sometimes, you know, that means or looks like um, helping a client repair the relationship to an exile, because some of the times these vulnerable younger parts are like, well, you know, to the client's sort of self, like, where were you when I really needed you back then? Mm-hmm. And so it's also working with the client to help repair that relationship with their, you know, more vulnerable parts. And so it's, it's really interesting how, you know, there are some de- definite distinctions with a therapeutic relationship and attachment there. Okay. Um, how does IFS view grounding and resourcing? We hear a lot about resourcing in, in different modalities. So how would IFS view resourcing and grounding in trauma treatment? Yeah. And that's an excellent question because I think, you know, a lot of trauma treatment models, you know, they sort of build resources before processing Mm -hmm. traumatic memories. And IFS is different in a couple of ways. So one, you know, we start working with the protective parts right away. And so building those relationships, even before, you know, without doing any sort of resource building, start working with those parts. Um, So that's different immediately. So there isn't like this step-by-step, like building resources. Um, there, There are also three big differences, I would say. One is, you know, we ask for permission to do healing. And so we don't get the backlash, you know, that because the protective parts are all sort of, if they give you permission, they're on board. And so they understand that our intent is to actually provide healing so that they don't have to work so hard. 
So they're on board. So that's a start. Um, the second thing that's different um, is what I mentioned before, which is that the client is in self. So they're witnessing, you know, they're not blended with a part that, that they're um, sort of being shown a memory, for example. So they're not feeling re-traumatized. They're not feeling overwhelmed. But if a part is concerned about overwhelm, which sometimes that comes up, right? They, they might say like, well, I'm concerned about overwhelm. That might happen earlier on where they mention that. And we address that. You know, we, we can do a number of things, which is um, negotiate before you do any deeper healing where potentially traumatic memory might come up, you know, um, where we can ask the part, you know, to step back so that we can really, really see what it wants to show us. Because these exiled parts, they don't want us to go away. They really want to be healed. And so sometimes they flare up because they really, they don't want to be forgotten. They don't want to be exiled. And so we let them know that we know how big their feelings are, but we can actually ask them to not overwhelm. And often they will say, okay, or we can ask them, you know, to show us maybe a portion mm-hmm. of a memory. So maybe like 10%. And so there's a lot of dialogue and, and sort of going back and forth and how is the part responding and things like that. So, you know, I do teach my clients emotion regulation skills and grounding and things like that, because that's something I've always done, you know, from other models, um, because I think it's nice to have those skills when they're on their own, especially. But, um, you know, I find that with this model, I don't have to do grounding. I could, but I don't have to do that in the moment because I can just talk to a part. Right. Even if someone like, you know, even if someone has in the past been more dissociative, um, you know, you can talk to the part. So what would a, a disassociated part, would that be an exile? I'm just curious. Yeah. So that would be uh, an exiled part. kind. Of. Well, I, actually a dissociated part, like the part that would maybe come up to take you out would be a firefighter. Okay. So the firefighter okay. part is kind of like a, if you, an exile gets triggered, mm-hmm. the firefighter part would be a dissociated, dissociating part that kind of wants you to take it, you know, take you out, make everything kind of yeah. foggy, make it difficult to mm-hmm. access the pain. Mm-hmm. And so you can feel, you know, sort of out of it and dissociated and things like that, spacey, um, and so that's a firefighter and you can work with that too, you know, talk to the firefighter part and um, most likely they won't come up though, if you're getting the permission, because yeah. if you're not getting the permission, you don't go forward. Those who I'm, I'm just wondering, those who have struggled with disassociation, mm-hmm. um, do you find that it's, I mean, I'm wondering, this must be challenging for those who have lived and struggle with disassociation. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, with, with anything, you know, with, you know, complex trauma um, and, um, you know, it's difficult, but I think with this non-pathologizing view, yeah. you can, it's something that you work with. And so I think often clients, when you explain to them what's happening and you start working with a part, it's so reassuring. Yeah, it's I so bet. reassuring mm-hmm. because then it's not this mystery and there's not this like yes. narrative where things are, inco- you know, not cohesive and don't yeah. make sense. And so really yeah. seeing it as a, having a positive intention. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and it's trying to keep you safe. Absolutely. And sometimes what happens, too, is, you know, a client will come in and want to sort of tell all the, you know, all the traumatic memories and things like that. Um, 
initially or you know maybe a friend wants to you know tell you things or maybe you really want to do inner child healing with someone and so you kind of jump in there you know with IFS I would say we'll get to that we'll get to that let's just start maybe with the parts of you that are afraid to get to that or that are protecting that Mm. and so it's kind of taking again this little step back to check in before we go there and so you don't get that overwhelm you don't get that immediate sort of shutdown that might happen if you were to jump in. Yeah. 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 I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the permission, um, and the going slowly is what Mm -hmm. I hear. Yeah. That's really very interesting. Um, so before we end, is there anything maybe I haven't asked you about IFS that you want to add or well, I, I think um, a couple of things, maybe that just this idea in IFS that all parts are welcome. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a, I think, uh, I love that idea because there is so much space there when you're working with trauma, you're working with substance abuse, um, eating disorders, all kinds of different things that might come up to really see what this part is trying to do for you. And also that there are different parts that have different jobs. And so working with even parts that may be in conflict. And so all parts are welcome. And IFS, that's the one thing I think I want to definitely sort of uh, stress. And then the other piece is, you know, for people who are like me, who have an intellectual part that kind of wants to know, like, how does this work? You know, um, one thing I would say that's different about this model is that, you know, it's consistent with theories of memory reconsolidation. So it's the idea that we can unlock an existing memory and change it at a synaptic level. So really talking about, you know, rewiring. And so that's different than other models, you know, not all models, but there are other models that are trying to create new neural networks that compete with the old one. And so this is really just getting in, unlocking an actual trauma memory and healing it, which I think, and and I've seen it happen so many times that it's just fascinating because once you're able to do that you don't have to work so hard on the behaviors and having these kind of different plans and but rather like a client might come in and say yeah after we did that I was able to just be assertive with so and so and I don't know how it did it I just did it didn't need to come up with a plan about it it just happened so it's a lot of things become organic when the um, deeper healing happens the protective parts can take on a different role rather than, um, you know, being a people-pleasing part, maybe it's a part, it chooses to become a part that's discerning and assertive. And so it's amazing to see the organic uh, progress that somebody can make when they start working in these deeper kind of really, I think, respectful ways that are are very um, respecting of all the parts, especially with trauma. I think that's so important. I, I really love this. Um, and I love the way that it is just a, a really nice way of getting to know yourself and getting connected with what's going on. Because uh, one of the things with trauma is that we get so caught up in the feeling states that it's kind of sometimes hard to know what's happening. And to me, this sounds like just like almost like a concrete way of getting to know what's going on inside. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just the last thing I, I mentioned about the trauma piece too, to understand what's happening, like with complex trauma or, you know, thinking about like, you know, borderline personality disorder, sort of like what's happening there. Um, 
And so I think the IFS really gives you an insight into what's going on there, which is that there's a part that wants to attach. And then there's another part that thinks connection is extremely dangerous and has to be stopped at all costs. And then, you know, the person's sort of like feeling blended with these exiled parts that are looking for rescue, maybe. Um, and then there's another part that's really forbidding intimacy. And so I think, you know, it makes a lot of these different things very clear and it doesn't wow. judge them. And so I think, you know, it's, it's great when clients learn that. And I do give people a little bit of information, too, because I find that people really um, do well when they know more about the theory, uh, at least the clients I work with. Mm-hmm. And so really understanding yourself and some people, you know, keep a journal to keep track of the different parts and kind of understand when they're being activated so that they can take that step back. Okay. Well, this has been just so, so fascinating. Thank you. How can people uh, find out more about your work? Um, how can they find you? Um, a great place to go is to my website, which is dranacress.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-A-K-R-E-S-S.com. Or they can find me on Instagram at dranacress.com. Great. Again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. If you would like to find out more information with regards to my coaching options, you could reach me on my website at www.cbtsdcoach.com. You can visit me on my Facebook and Instagram page at cbtsdcoach. Thank you.